before we get to our second lesson, I want to announce that this is All Saints Day, and we will have a time of remembrance and gratitude for those who have passed away in the past year after the sermon. But I wanted to specifically point out to you all that Carol Watkins and Albert Shield both, both passed away within the past two weeks. So if you would keep both their families in prayer, uh, that would be a great delight and comfort to them. We've been going through these stories of the Old Testament. We've been going through these different sections. And with the history of the Israelites, we kind of have these different eras or epochs that, that happen. We have them as slavery in Egypt. We have them wandering in the desert. We have the time of the judges when they're just these scattered tribes. And then eventually we have the monarchy and the kingdom. And so this passage, Ruth takes time, is during the time of the judges. And usually most stories in scripture have to deal with the whole national story. But Ruth is special because it focuses on the particular. It focuses on the everyday people, if you will. So listen for a word from God from Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And then the conclusion of the book in chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of the two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Eli-Melech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from that place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return with your sister-in-law. 
But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Pray this all in your name. Amen. One of, in my opinion, the best American novels of the 20th century is John Steinbeck's East of Eden. It's this familial story and myth that weaves its way through generations to its conclusion. And I remember reading it, and there was a character in that story that even though I read this book after college as an adult, that terrified me so much that I had a nightmare about her. Her name was Kate. And Kate makes these selfish decisions over and over again, destroying livelihoods and lives in her wake. Throughout the whole novel, she embodies evil after evil, parasitic and manipulative to those who are closest to her. She eventually, in order to survive, kind of weaves her way and she has twin boys who she promptly abandons. And one of those boys' name is Cal Trask. And as Cal grows up through his childhood not knowing his mother, Cal is in many ways a reflection of her. He is manipulative, jealous, completely moody. If you've seen the movie in the 1960s, it's perfectly played by James Dean. But Cal doesn't know who his mother is throughout his child, but eventually he learns that the woman who runs the local brothel, Kate, is his mother. And that knowledge begins to spread throughout the community, and everyone says, oh, we understand now why Cal is so bad. Look at his mother. How could he be any differently? Cal starts to believe this, and at one point breaks down in tears because he doesn't believe he's capable of good. One character named Lee, an elderly Asian man who raised Cal and his brother while his father worked the ranch. Lee disagrees with Cal in the town, and he searches through scripture and philosophies, trying to make Cal understand that he can respond to grace, that he can be loving, that he can do good, that he is not innately evil. That regardless of the expectations placed upon him by others, he can respond differently in the world. What has been named by him does not define who he is. In our scripture, expectations have been set. Ruth is a Moabite woman. 
that is the extent to what we are given about her history. That's all we know. But it's enough. Expectations have been set. The Israelites know all about those Moabite women. The readers of this story understand about the Moabite women. Because previously in their history, in the book of Numbers, chapter 25, verses 1 through 3, there is a story about how the young men of Israel were led away by the Moabite women through sexual relations. And those women led them to worship false gods, to leave the community, to bring wrath upon everyone, bringing destruction to houses. Yes, the Israelites know all about the Moabite women. They are licentious pagan worshipers. They lead young men away from the community. They corrupt sons. So when Ruth is introduced to us as a Moabite woman, all Israelite leaders know exactly where this story is going. They know about Moabite women. Ruth and her counterpart are going to lead Naomi's sons away from God because that's what Moabite women do. But instead, Scripture surprises us. Scripture shocks us. Scripture scandalizes us. Ruth, the Moabite woman, is not the villain in this story, leading us away from Yahweh. But Ruth is the hero embodying Yahweh's love and compassion and care in the world. The love that comes from the situation of Ruth and Naomi is profound and deep. Naomi has nothing to give Ruth. In a patriarchal society where men were required for economic security, protection security, to hold land, to hold position... An older woman past childbearing years with no husband, no brothers, no sons, offers no security, no financial incentive, no home to a young widow. Naomi knows that Ruth still has an opportunity to wed, to have a family, so she urges her to go back to find a place of security and safety among her own people, among her father's house. But Ruth, in one of the most self-giving actions of love in all of Scripture, vows to stay by Naomi's side. She risks safety and her future for the love of this woman. She vows to stay in communion with her, demonstrating a fidelity and care for the least of these, the very least of these that we have not seen yet in the story of Israel. Though God has called them to care for the least of these, it rarely happens. But Ruth, a Moabite woman, lives the law of God better than the Israelites. She lives the love of God better than the nation had been doing. And this self-giving love results in relationships that change lives and eventually change the world. Ruth's self-giving love changes the life of Naomi, who had no future. And after Ruth and Naomi go back to Judah, they struggle for a time, but eventually she finds a husband and finds security for the whole of the family. 
it changes Naomi's life. She has security and life to live. But not only that, God uses that self-giving act of love to change the world. It is through Ruth's lineage that Jesus Christ comes into the world. Jesus Christ, who is God's love incarnate, God's love demonstrated, the definition of self-giving love comes through this action of Ruth. Christ who creates new life for us. Self-giving love is like taking a snowball at the top of a hill and rolling it down. It picks up snow as it, grow, as it goes down, growing and growing, becoming a larger force in the world. Growing in size and influence. Self-giving love continues its effects and its care long after we remember doing the action and even after our own lives have passed. Today is All Saints Sunday, where we remember not only those who have died this past year, but all those saints who have lived and run the race and died. We mourn their loss and their presence in our lives. We grieve the smiles and memories and laughs that we no longer see. But we recall how these saints taught us to love God and to love others who taught us what fidelity to a community looked like, who demonstrated hard work, who showed us compassion and care. We are the community, we are the church we are today because of them, because of the times that they said, where you go, I will go. Because of the times they said, I will be who you need me to be. Because of the times they said, I will love and care for you with no expectation in return. Even if you are new to our church or are visiting, their love has influenced you in some way because you've interacted with someone who has been loved by them. Love is a web that spreads through us, that touches us in profound ways, connecting our lives. You all have touched a building that they have helped to maintain that they have cared for. Our saints' lives carry on with us and through us through their acts of self-giving love. How incredible that is to think about, church, that as we go out every day to live our lives, to do the work of our jobs, to go to workouts at the pool or gym, as we interact with friends and coworkers and family members, as we live day in and day out, we have the opportunity to bring grace and love into a world that will influence further generations, that will change further generations. We have the opportunity to participate in the self-giving love first given to us by Christ, to latch on to that snowball of love beginning with Christ that is continuing on into the world, connecting into the web of love that connects us as a community, developing and growing us. Church, when we understand Christ's love in our own lives, when we examine how we have been loved 
by the God of the universe, loved by others, then we can gather together and burst into the lives of this hurting world with the force of Christ's self-giving love. Saying, we will be with you no matter what. That we will stand by you when you have nothing to offer. Saying that we love you because you are a beloved child of God. But this is only possible if we understand God's love for us. Because when we glimpse God's love for us, we are changed. We are empowered. We're given the courage to go out and do the difficult, dangerous, scandalous, incredible work of love in the world. Of subverting expectations, of surprising and delighting people in this world who need compassion the most. This is what God has tasked us to do. And this is what God has done for us. May we go out spreading God's love and making it known as we have known it to be true. Thanks be to God and amen.